0: Many of you might have been watching primetime there last week. And as you know, primetime, I suppose, nowadays is just kind of every day seems to be about COVID-19 and restrictions or what's happening or the latest in deaths or cases or whatever it is. Generally speaking, bad news. And I've often heard people say there's very little sense spoken. It's a lot of doom and gloom. But one person who kind of did stand out last week. What I thought was, um, I suppose, a very realistic statement, and we played it on the air the following day for you, was Professor Ronan Collins, who is the Director of Stroke Services and uh, Consultant Geriatrician at Tala Hospital, and he joins me on the line. Good afternoon to you, Ronan. How are you? Good afternoon, Neil. How are you? Uh, Ronan, when you spoke the other night, people may not remember, but you referred particularly, I suppose, to the elderly. And what the line that got me is what you said that a lot of these people don't want to live anymore. Now, I know Miriam was a t- bit taken back by that line. Maybe we could delve into that a little bit deeper when we talk about, I suppose, older people who feel maybe lonely or isolated, people who you would be dealing with on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, um, and so you know, I haven't heard language like being said, like statements like that being said to me uh, at my clinic in a long, long time. Um, but certainly, this has caused great distress for older people, as it has for a lot of society. It has to be said, but I think it's been felt particularly amongst older people who may not have the same um, degree and breadth of um, social support networks. And so, the restrictions imposed by the current crisis have had, I suppose, a proportionately a greater impact uh, on the, their social networks. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have said to me that, listen, you know, and they may cite particular family occasions like missing communions, confirmations, birthday parties, uh, may have lost people. But have said to me, you know, without the family celebrations, the community occasions, um, the sporting and cultural events, that I, I really don't feel like going on much longer. There's not much enjoyment. Because
0: that's, that's what their life is about because of course we don't live life just to be biological human beings. We live life you know, to share our lives with other people I suppose and that's what's really important, particularly to the elderly who may not have much else going on in their lives, particularly if they've lost a husband or lost a wife and they rely on those social occasions. I suppose that's the point you're making and for them, they would rather take that chance and live their life and live, and live a happier life than live a lonely life, um, restricted.
1: Well, I would agree with you. We are all mortal human beings. And enjoyment of life as part of the the core qualities of life, uh, as is other factors. And I suppose the two points I was trying to make in that regard is that number one, um that you know older people, like all other sectors of society, should be engaged with and their opinions sought out, in terms of mapping the way forward. Older people are generally have a lifelong of uh, wise experience to make appropriate uh, decisions mm. about risks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then, so that, I think that's one very important point. And the second point is to remember that we are going to have to learn to live with this crisis for the foreseeable future.
0: Are we learning to live with it or are we, do you guess that the strategy from the current government seems to be trying to avoid it rather than learning to live with it? Because... If we look at and drill down into the actual figures of, sadly, the people who have passed away over the last seven months, the figure is 177. I think we could reduce that figure a little bit because there were many cases that Leo Varadkar talked about that were probable or possible or suspected cases, which weren't, in fact, maybe COVID-19 cases. But even if we said it was 1,500, out of that, 757 were hospitalised. So we can only assume the rest weren't. And I'm I'm making a presumption here that those people, uh, the vast majority, were in care homes. It would be unethical to move them back to a hospital to treat them at the end stage of their life. Um, So this obviously clearly has disproportionately affected elderly people and everybody's life is valuable. Well, is the point that you're getting to is that we have mortality and we can't forget that?
1: Well, yes, we are all mortal beings. We can't forget that. Now, I'm not being cavalier, and I'm going to preface my remarks, obviously being very cognizant of the fact uh, that this can be a very serious infection for certain individuals. For example, I'm working with a doctor who has lost her father recently due to this infection. He wasn't that much older than me. Um, I'm also critically aware, having watched the programme last night, of healthcare colleagues and very dearly loved ones who have been lost to people during this crisis. So I don't want to trivialise that with my next remarks. Mm -hmm. But my next remarks are that we have lost as a society, as I said, our ability to live with serious infection. This is a significant illness for individuals, but on a huge scale, the vast majority, or on a much greater, if you like, overview of it, the majority of people who get this illness will have a very mild self-limiting or no illness at all, It's also true to say that the vast majority of older people who get this illness will actually have a mild illness. Of course, the survival survival rate, and that's really important that we say that. Age in itself is not the greatest predictor of mortality with this illness. And you kind of touched on a point that is a very sensitive point when you mentioned the care homes, but it gets to a nub of this issue as well, that comorbidities and frailties are an important determinant of how a person responds to this illness. Rather than the age in itself. For example, not everybody over 70 is in the same. None of us in any age group are heterogeneous, but many people over 70 are running businesses, for God's sake, or chief executives of companies, or world presidents. Mm. <laughs> well,
0: know, yes, are, are, Let's, are, let's uh, not talk about him.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> there's been previous. One of the, some of the greatest leaders like Nelson Mandela and people like that have been older. So, I mean, you cannot can you just homogeneously look at one group and say that they're all the same, they're all frail, they're all vulnerable? That's not the case. We all have individual medical histories that make us more and more likely to succumb to this infection. But the point I was trying to get back to is that you number know, one sector of the society need to be engaged with to map the way forward so people feel that they are actually being consulted uh, about the way forward and understand the risks. And the second thing is we, we have to one eye on the fact to what is society going to be like, the society that we return to. We want to return to a society that is not socially phobic, that is not a desolate. But, that, but that's not the
0: the narrative, I suppose. At the moment, is the new normal, and and there there seems to be no end in sight to that. I mean, WHO well, I mentioned very, two I'm years, very, you know, could be longer.
1: We don't all see it that way. For hmm. example, I've heard stories in schools where literally, you know, young children getting yellow cards because they crossed the line to talk to a friend, or a young child being reprimanded because they went to share their lunch with another child, um, children flinching away from other children who are coming to play with them, engage with them. because they're f- I mean, I'm not sure that that is the right way to be approaching this.
0: Um, so in other words, we're socially conditioning children not to be social. I think,
1: we, I think there could be a lot of social phobia, as there will be a lot, and we are already seeing a lot of mental health problems from our approach to this. I would far prefer that we have a discussion as a society, number one, of what's the best way forward. Um, I think simple measures are very important. We're about to face into winter. And of course, winter always brings the threat of flu and the threat of winter vomiting, which in themselves are not innocent infections to older, frail people and kill a lot of frail, older people every year. But if we all of us as citizens behave a little bit responsibly with regard to wearing masks and washing our hands, we will protect And reduce the transmission of those infections as well and we have a better chance of getting through the winter in that regard so i think we need to show show citizenship in that regard and let's do the simple things very right but also let's try and then get on with our lives a little bit more Um, so that we have some enjoyment in our
0: lives as well. Mm. And what about, when you talk about enjoyment in our lives, the enjoyment in our lives has kind of been cut short. That avenue of pleasure seems to be gone at the moment. We can't go to GAA games. We can't go to a pub, although they've mentioned today they may be open for the 21st of this month. That could be delayed again, depending on local restrictions, etc., etc. We still seem to have regional lockdowns where people can't go any more than 20 kilometres from their homes. These kind of measures uh, that basically restrict our lives and restrict our social interaction with other people, you agree with them?
1: Well, it's uh, well, it's not a matter for me personally to agree with them or not. It's we as a society must agree with them. Um, you know, and for example
0: the Swedish... But do you think they're good? Roland, do you think they're good for society think, and good for people's health in I general?
1: Th- I think many of the aspects are a little bit draconian in my view. Um, I mean, I do think, for example, we could possibly get back to some of our sporting occasions again with more limits in the crowd. I think certainly we could open some up of our pubs and the pubs aren't to be visualized as a trivial we're all going down to the pub to lash and to drink mm-hmm. we have to understand that it pretty rural are in the small towns and villages these are the community de facto the community centers where people go down and have coffee and have non-alcoholic drinks as well but the point is people go down to share a greeting uh, to share the news of the day to commiserate with one another to support one another to help one another through life these are where people share their problems they are de facto clinics in terms of where people discuss their kind of how they're feeling in the psychological health and so it's very important that this, this getting back to normal life is restored to a degree as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not advocating that we be irresponsible. I'm not advocating uh, that we do not understand that there's a public health threat as well. But I think we can move forward a little bit uh, with having some uh, enjoyment and restoration of normal life while trying to reduce the impact of this virus as much as possible. But I do not think we should allow a virus to define our society.
0: And how do you think our government, our current government, are handling it? There doesn't seem, well, they said they will have a plan out on the 13th, which seems to suggest a nine-month plan, according to uh, Ronan Glynn on The Late Late Show the other night. Um, they don't seem to have a plan, but maybe maybe you believe they do. Every day seems to be a, a different battle. In other words, we wake up every morning wondering what's going to happen. I mean, and we have the, the daily alerts on RTE News. It's a time, and a lot of people have said this, including other doctors and professors, that we stop telling people every day, because thankfully nobody's dying and nobody has died in nearly 18 days now. Is it time that we maybe did a weekly report on the news rather than every single night going on the news, more than saying that, you know, some people are unwell today? Because realistically, when we look at the figures, like last night, 95 cases, the majority were under the age of 65, probably at very little risk, and many would probably be even asymptomatic. So is it right that we go on the news every day and, and I'm not saying keep the story alive Maybe I'm I'm wording this wrong, but to try and we're tra- we're keeping it at top of mind constantly, which is creating great fear in society. Do you believe we should pull back on that?
1: Well, there were two questions there, but the, the the second question first. I like many other people do not feel we should have the nightly bulletin. Um, I think the cases number one are positive swabs. It's important to remember that they're mm. not necessarily even an illness, but we must also recognise that the modelling of how many are positive may suggest that that will translate into an increased number of people presenting to our hospitals so far we haven't seen a huge increase there's been a slight increase in some hospitals um, but not a huge increase i do think as well i'm slightly concerned that if you put it on every night a bit like familiarity breeds contempt people start going oh yeah that thing again Type, and it's very important actually that we have the public on side for this because this is not over and while I'm in favor of kind of trying to get back towards more of a normal life, I'm also in favor that we do the simple things well and that we all rigidly uh, yeah, wash it. our
0: hands and, and, and keep our distance within reason.
1: And wearing the mask is not about protecting you more than showing respect to your fellow citizen and protecting other people. And that's what wearing the mask is about. It's about showing other people that you respect them and you're trying to protect them. Um, and, and I think that's very important. Those two I, simple I, things will also... In really- relation
0: to that, Luke O'Neill uh, yesterday mentioned uh, on radio that he believes we should be wearing the mask, and Professor Lambert actually said it as well, that we should be wearing the masks um, outside as well, if it's a busy area. Would you go along with that, or do you think that's a little bit over the top?
1: No, I would probably go along with that. I mean, I, from the start, I didn't agree with his view that the evidence was unequivocal, I believe we should have been wearing masks a bit sooner, maybe. Well,
0: there is conflicting evidence around wearing there masks is. and the benefits of wearing masks. And we could argue, one could argue, that since we made masks mandatory, we've actually seen an increase in cases now. That's a correlation, of course, more so well, than anything else. we've also
1: been allowed to open up society a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not under lockdown now. So, to be honest with you, I think this has been, you asked the first part of your question was, do I think the government have managed this? Well, I think Ronan Glenn and Tony Hoolan before and the government have done a great job You have to remember our health service is not as resourced or as robust as many other European health services. So for us to come out with the kind of figures that you've illustrated and a death rate that's comparable with a lot of other European and better than a lot of European European countries has been a great success. So I think the initial approach, apart from maybe the cocooning issue, which I had a problem with, was correct but i think the next phase of this and all our perspectives change as the situation evolves it matures we learn more and things like that the next phase of this has to involve number one engagement with sectors of society our older citizens our businesses our, our tourist trade and um, your travel trade all these sectors our cultural trade our sporting um, um organizations we do have to try and um, map some way back towards some form of normality because we are going to have to live with this virus for the foreseeable future and we cannot let a virus totally define our society.
0: All right, listen, thank you very much indeed. I appreciate you coming on the air today. Professor Ronan Collins, Director of Stroke Services and Consultant Geriatrician at Tala Hospital, basically saying we have to get back to some level of normality and that it's important that we go to our GAA games, we go to our pubs and all those things, social events, uh, particularly for older people, uh, because they uh, obviously rely on these as part of the community.